Welcome back, girlfriends. Today we are talking about postpartum sex or sex in the postpartum period after having a baby. We've had lots of women message us and ask us to talk about this topic. And so we are opening the discussion. This is definitely a sensitive topic because in the postpartum, women are having all kinds of hormonal changes. Emotions are high. Sleep deprivation is going on with the baby. And you're, especially if you're a new mom, you're learning a whole new way of life. This is a massive life change. And so understandably so, this topic can bring up a lot of emotions to both men and women who are going through this postpartum season because it's hard for for men to, and we don't want to downplay that, but it is extremely taxing mentally, physically, and emotionally on women. And so we thought that this topic deserved the attention of a podcast episode, especially because many of our listeners are moms. And if you're even not a mom right now, chances are you may plan or hope to be a mom someday and and that this information could really help you and benefit you and make you feel a little more human when you are in the thick of it, in the trenches with the newborn. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And there's grace for it all. Like everybody has a different experience with postpartum sex and we are not here to say one is more valid than the other. Everyone's experience is extremely valid after having a baby, especially when it comes to sex and how we enter back into that world after having a baby. Because it is, it is a really big life change. You're adding another human, a little, little itty bitty nugget that you're so obsessed with and so in love with. And also dealing with all of the hormones that come with that, plus your body changing. I mean, there's so many nuances within postpartum sex, I think, because you don't realize how much your body changes until your body has changed. And so if you like look in your in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, wow, this is this looks different than it did nine months ago or even like a day ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, the body changes. There's so many things that change. There's your body changes, your hormonal changes. You, you've probably just lost like 25 to 30 pounds yeah. of baby fluid, blood, placenta. When you add up all of the changes your body is making in a short period of time. Yes. And then trying to recover trying and and at a time where you've had the most blood loss of your entire life you're then not able to actually rest if you've had a cesarean section that's a whole nother conversation because that's major abdominal surgery then you get thrust into newborn life and instead of like resting and recovering and sleeping and eating nourishing food you're up every two to three hours with a baby yeah. Having sleep deprivation. So it is, it is, I think, personally, physically, the most challenging period of life yeah. for, for a woman to go through. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I don't want to scare women off from having kids, but it, the postpartum <laughs> is difficult for sure. Yeah. No way, we are not going to sugarcoat that here. And you, yeah. And there are things you can do to make it easier and setting up support around yourself. Yes. You know, getting a meal train with friends and family to bring you nourishing food. Um, A postpartum doula. A postpartum doula or a friend or a motherly, you know, a motherly supportive person. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like not just like anybody though. Like if you bring someone in, that's just gonna, that drains your energy, they're not going to benefit you. Totally. Or if just someone who wants to be there, 
but maybe they're stressing you out. Like it's your mother-in-law and she's trying to give you parenting advice and telling you how you should do things. You don't want that. But if you have a, a lovely woman who can come in and fold laundry for you and cook dinner for you and care for you, the mother, while you're healing and recovering, not just like hold the baby for you. Yeah. That can go a long way in the recovery process. There's a lot of layers to this conversation. And it almost feels like to me, like that the sex is, it can feel like irrelevant. Like, how can yeah. I even think about having sex right now in this phase? Yeah. Now, obviously, in that immediate postpartum period, you're not going to be having sex. And no. they typically recommend six weeks. You want to give six weeks for your body to fully recover. And if yeah. you've had a cesarean or traumatic birth, it could be longer than that. If you had a really smooth labor, a physiological birth, a birth where maybe your body had the fetal ejection response, or you were not pushing for hours, you allowed your body to do that work. If you if you were if you learned how to protect your pelvic floor in the birth process and didn't hold your breath to push, which is something I I could go on a soapbox about and I talk about that in my e-course. But if you allowed your body to actually labor the baby down and push your baby out yourself, I will say your postpartum recovery is going to be light years better mm. than if you were laying in bed on your back, holding your breath, being coached and yelled at to push and force, forcefully push your baby out using your pelvic floor muscles. That's going to cause you way more pain and swelling and tearing. I mean, if you have a tear, it's going to take yeah. time to heal. So there's, there's in saying this, like, I just want to give like a blanket disclaimer that there is such a wide range of birth experiences, such a wide range of postpartum experiences, there's usually a hard labor is going to tend to lead to a harder recovery. And an easier yeah. labor will tend to lead to a easier recovery. But that's not also not, I can't make that blanket statement because there are right. really people who have really great birth and really hard postpartums. Mm -hmm. And then you've also got every baby is different. Some babies sleep three to five hours through the night from day one and others are up every hour yeah. and that can, or have colic or digestive issues. Like we're, there's so many places we could go with this. And there are so many factors at play that can contribute to how you, ex what your experience is in the postpartum. And you may have a great birth, a great postpartum, you may, may be healing great, your baby may be sleeping through the night, but you're dealing with anxiety or insomnia or some other issue that's causing yeah. it to be hard, you know? Yeah. I would love to have a discussion about what intimacy looks like during the postpartum that doesn't revolve around sex. Because I think a lot of the times men will enter this phase and be like, okay, it's my suffering time. You know, like they have to suffer and women are like, screw you, dude. Like I just pushed out a baby. Like this is, you know, it's all that, especially as mothers that we usually consume during that time is like being a mother. And it is a different experience for the dad. But I think if we can bring in the conversation and also talk to our husbands before we have the baby of what is intimacy going to look like between us during this time. Because really as mothers, we need that support from our man and sometimes they don't know how to give it. So 
it's a great time to have the, that conversation of like, okay, we might not be able to be physical, physically intimate, but we can be emotionally intimate. We can be spiritually intimate. You can support me physically in these ways, you know, and, and even if he has, obviously we don't just like reject all of his needs completely because it's like, you can still kiss. You can still be sweet on each other during that phase. It's not like that goes away, but having those kinds of conversations can be really helpful to ease into postpartum. And when you do add sexual intimacy back in, it makes it more like, oh yeah, I want to do this because I feel like that transition from like not having any physical intimacy for sometimes longer than six weeks, because when you're at that like end part of your pregnancy, a lot of women are like, I don't want to be touched. (laughs) You know, like I have a child kicking within me and (laughs) you may have not have had sex for longer than six weeks by the time that you're actually becoming intimate again. And so that transition can be a little bit smoother when there is still the sweetness of the marriage in other categories. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that there you can do things to have those conversations and create space for intimacy. I also want to say like for the women who are feeling like they're drowning in this season, this doesn't this we're not having this conversation to put another thing on your to-do list. Definitely not the like feeling of like, okay, now I have to also take care of my husband's sexual need while I'm having spit up all over me and I'm leaking through my boobs and I'm bleeding or whatever. Just to give context, this conversation is probably one that like in that season, I think it's the most important to take care of your physical and mental health first and be honest with your partner about your struggles and also share like I want to be close to you I need your support this is what I'm struggling with how can I how can we have an intimate connection and value and prioritize that in the middle of this season and that's an important conversation to have and the answer you guys come up with together may be completely different and unique to your relationship for sure from what we we have in this from what we're the ideas we may even share with you so I want to just make sure that we first and foremost prioritize like the mother's mental health because we're mm-hmm. seeing such a sharp increase in in mental health disorders in this country period and especially postpartum mental health crises. And so that is like you matter, mother, like listening to this, you matter, your needs matter, and you shouldn't have to feel like you have to sacrifice yourself and your wholeness to meet everybody's needs around you. And it can be very easy, I think, as a mother to to be in a program of responding to everyone else's needs, especially a newborn that's up all night and has very immediate, very strong needs. And then also feel like, okay, now I have to have take care of my husband's needs and this these needs and these needs. But like if we were to change the conversation, take it outside of that context and say, okay, how can we create a marriage that is supportive and loving and reinforces how valuable each partner is yeah, and cultivates peace and intimacy and connection within that relationship. That's the conversation that we want to have here. Not like a condemning, you know, guilt laced conversation that, well, don't forget your marriage sister. Don't just get wrapped up in being a mom and, Mm -hmm. you know, like 
I we hear that a lot, especially in Christian circles. It can be easy to like put judgment on the mom, but this is the this is like a team effort here. Like, so yeah. having those it better thoughts, be a team effort. It, it's a, yeah, it is a team effort. You guys, and yeah. even though you're in survival mode, those moments of intimacy and connection and romance whether or not they involve sex could be like lifesavers to you. It could yeah. remind you of your humanity and your womanhood and your femininity and your sexuality that is maybe on hold for a little while here, but mm-hmm. still there, still inside. And maybe yeah. you, you do need to go on a date night. I actually tell my, my doula clients this. I say like in the first four weeks of your birth, go on a date without your baby. Mm-hmm. and it's like I didn't do this I just brought my baby everywhere and I actually love doing that we brought her movie theaters and dinners and sometimes that works great and if you have a chill baby you can do it but there's also something to be said for intentionally <clears throat> prioritizing your marriage yeah and making an effort no matter how much work it takes even though you have to pump even though you have to hire a babysitter and spend money even though it takes an hour to get dressed up and you don't feel sexy and hot at all with your postpartum belly. Even though you have all these hurdles to jump through and you think it's just not worth it. I don't have the energy to do this. Do it. Yeah. Just do it. And you will get out and you will be so glad you did. It will, it will in- reinvigorate your marriage. And it's not just that one date night. What you're doing is you're actually setting a precedence to value your marriage. Yeah. First. And to have that be the foundation of your family. Because it is easy to get lost in motherhood and neglect your marriage. And I think if we can learn to do this from the beginning, instead of making excuses, and there are plenty of excuses as to why it is not convenient to go out right now. Yeah. But if I'm telling you for the women who do this within the first three to four weeks, like a month top, you will set a precedence to continue in that pattern and make it a habit in your marriage. So you may yeah. have one kid, you may have five kids, you're going to find a way to go out and have quality time together and time to connect just you and your husband. And yeah. I, I've known couples that had a baby, everything shifted and changed and they didn't go out for like two years, the two of them. Oof. And I wow. remember thinking like, that's not okay. Like you, yeah. you need, you need time, just the two of you. And that is so yeah, important. So totally. Yeah. I completely agree. Very few people have the experience that I had with having my daughter because she was in the NICU for two and a half months after she was born. And so I, I went to the hospital every day. Like I had access to the NICU 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was also during COVID. So me and Johnny were the only two people allowed to see her during for two and a half months. And Johnny and I definitely trauma bonded. Like (laughs) after we had her, it was like, we could not get close enough to each other. It was like, I, you're the only person on this planet that understands what happened and was there and experienced it. Obviously we had different experiences, but when I came home from the hospital, it was like, I could not get close enough to him. And and just to I've, give people context who might not know your story, you had a preterm baby. Yes. Who was 26 weeks? 29. 29 what? weeks. And she had a stage four brain bleed, two pounds coming out. So she was a little itty bitty thing. Little and bit. yeah. And I, in the hospital in like eight days alone, I gained like 50 pounds. 
Wow. <laughs> you lost 50 pounds or you gained? 50 no, pounds? I gained 50 pounds. And like once my body started like to get rid of, cause it was all fluid. Wait, like, you gained 50, sorry. You gained 50 pounds in your pregnancy or after you gave birth? No, in the hospital for in eight days, I gained 50 pounds. So while you were hospitalized before giving birth for eight days, before and after, before and after how yeah, long were you I was in total? The- eight days. How the hell do you gain 50 pounds in eight days? <laughs> because of all the fluids they were pumping in me to keep my blood pressure low. Oh my gosh. Holy yeah. cow. It was insane. I mean, I know fluid retention is a side effect of like having IV fluids, but that's yeah. insane. That's I'm so, I, I was like, wait, I don't understand. It's not computing in my brain. <laughs> no, it was nuts. Like I looked like a beached whale. I was so like they, you know, like the tags that they put around your wrist, they had to give me, they had to change mine twice because my wrists were like, it was cutting off my circulation. Did you ever say like, okay, enough with the fluids. I'm going to drink a water bottle. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> I, it was, uh, well, the fluid that I was getting the most of was magnesium oh, To gosh, And so yeah. like, I couldn't. It's awful. It, yeah. And yeah. you just feel so drunk. Feel so horrible. like out of it. I like my body odor was different in the hospital. Like I'm shocked John even was even in the same room as me. It yeah, was, no, it's it's a horrible experience to get that. Horrible, get that. horrible, horrible. Yeah. So um, making more sense now. Gosh. Yes. Yeah. I'm so so the like when I because they wanted to see like my body getting rid of the of the water that I was holding on to. So I had to mark like every how much I was peeing out, and it was like a wine bottle's worth of urine, like at a time I was, I would wake up in like, I mean, d- just drenched in sweat. Oh. It was crazy. And I, I mean, I lost all of it very quickly, thankfully, but yeah, that was not fun. So, so there was just so much, like I wanted to bond and because I couldn't really do that, I really didn't have a connection with Davis for the first couple of days. I just wanted connection with my husband because he understood, you know, he knew and we had so much disconnection with everything else. I mean, we were having nurses, like we were getting mixed reviews. Like some nurses was like, oh yeah, hold your baby. And others were like, don't hold your baby. Like your baby should not be held right now. So it was like, so what do we do? (laughs) You know, it was like, just hold each other. So I understand not everybody goes through that. Like they want, they bond to baby, you know, that bonding chemical goes to baby. Um, mm. And obviously I did have that with Davis eventually, but it took longer, yeah. you know? Yep. Yeah. So even within that, like, you know, I was able to connect. I'm thankful that me and Johnny were able to connect during that time, but there was a time where it's like, you're sleep deprived and sleep deprivation is one of the main reasons why our libido dips, like why we don't have a libido. Some of us don't Mm -hmm. have one because we're getting such lack of sleep that we're not, it's like the last thing on the list. It's like, I don't, (laughs) nobody touched me, you know? Yeah. Like sex is the last thing on your mind. Right. Yes. Yes. So that's something to be aware of. And that's okay. Cause like, once again, you're in a season, like you're in a season that is not supposed to last forever. And 
I feel like if I can speak to anybody, like there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Like there's, this doesn't have to be what the rest of your life looks like. And I think a lot of the women, a lot of women who maybe having their first child or whatever, have that fear or even have that expectation, you know, of like, okay, I had a baby. That's kind of it for me. And it's just so not true. And it's such a lie. And there can be intimacy postpartum. There can be, um, you can be hot and sexy, even if you have a C-section belly, like you can still, you know, be turned on and be sexy and those that things can be had, but everybody's different. And I think the, that comparison is the thief of joy, right? Like, so I can look at somebody else's, you know, birth experience and postpartum experience and just be so jealous or so envious of what they had and what I didn't versus somebody else who had it way worse than I did, you know, and they might be looking at me with, full jealousy and all this stuff. And it's just, you, we cannot, there is no spectrum here. Like it's all different and that's okay. That's okay. You might be super turned on after you have your baby, you know, after five weeks or six weeks and you're like, I'm ready for sex. And that's okay. Cause maybe you have a great husband who wakes up in the middle of the night, or maybe you have the finances to hire a doula or a nanny or someone to help out. Or maybe your mom is super helpful, or you have a community around you, you know, like your own little village of people who are supporting you that those things play into your postpartum and your intimacy postpartum. Yeah, they really do. And I think we don't fully understand either how intense this season is. And yeah. like I've read that it it is the single greatest hormonal crash that you'll experience in your life that happens oh, yeah. in the immediate postpartum. Like yeah. far more than any cycle in your period. Like it, it's like multiple times greater of a crash <clears throat> right. for your, that your hormones dip in the postpartum. And even just managing that alone is a lot. Yeah. But I love what you were saying about like how like you attach you attached to to Johnny because you weren't able to attach and bond with your baby due to yeah. her being in the NICU. And I think it's interesting because that those hormones that are dropping can send women into postpartum depression yes. if they don't attach to someone. And totally. biologically, we're designed to attach to our babies. That's why we have a surge of oxytocin. Right. In the postpartum when we have our baby and then other hormones are dropping. And so this hormonal balance is very intentionally designed, I believe by God, to bond us to our babies. And when that doesn't happen because of a preterm birth or birth trauma or separation from mom and baby or whatever the reason, those hormones will crash even further and they don't come back up. And when hormones crash without that oxytocin spike, it sets the stage for postpartum depression, which is in many ways connected to the hormonal physiology. It's also sleep deprivation yeah. and, and a lot of other factors, of course, but the hormones play a massive role. So I think you probably actually prevented yourself from having home postpartum depression yeah. by connecting to your, your husband. I totally agree with that. Actually, I completely agree about, with that because they were checking in on me, you know, constantly and like, Hey, 
how's your emotional state? I had to take like a little survey every couple of weeks yeah. and she was so checking in. in NICU it's, moms. Yes. So common. And I'm so grateful because Johnny was able to take 10 weeks off of work. Wow. So he, and we were able to like visit her every day, have time of just me and him. I mean, he was extremely supportive all the time. And we did, we, we like, glued ourselves to each other during those, especially the first couple of weeks where it was just, we were figuring it out, you know, and what our lives were going to look like. But yeah, that I completely agree. I, I think you're totally right that we, I dodged that. You dodged the pitfall, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's such an interesting thing because we don't often realize that there's this whole undercurrent of hormones happening and there's yes. legitimate reasons of why you feel the way you feel. Yeah. And not to beat yourself up if you're not feeling like having sex in the postpartum or yeah. even uh, like you don't feel like bonding to your baby and breastfeeding. That's a sign that your hormones are dipping. And what I learned then is actually what you do for that when you're like, I don't want to bond, I don't want to connect, this is so much work, you actually do the things you would do with oxytocin in your body. So mm. oxytocin is the love hormone. It's the hormone we get when we climax. Mm-hmm. It's the human connection hormone. It's the hormone we get when we give birth. So it's it's the same hormone. It's the same drug your body releases when you're having sex and yeah. bonding to your husband or when you're giving birth and breastfeeding your baby. And connection hormone. Yeah. So, which is why I'm why I said what I said about you, and and I think that's actually kind of amazing that 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 worked that way. But when I was postpartum, I remember feeling these baby blues, like I it's so much work, I don't want to bond. And I had an amazing birth and an amazing postpartum, but at one point I was like, oh, I feel like I have the baby blues. Like this is so. Mm. so It's like the birth high wore off. Like I had Mm. this birth high for weeks afterwards with high weeks literally wow. on clouds like in bliss wow. and then I start, it hit me like after a few weeks I'm like oh did those drugs wear off like I was like a crack addict like what <laughs> where did it go yeah, I want that yeah. high again I felt like uh, literally like addicted to the birth hormones wow and I'm, like, so I googled how do I get more oxytocin literally I did that and I was like maybe there's like an herb I can take like mugwort will <laughs> give me more oxygen I don't even know like there's some herb yeah yeah or like music I don't even I don't know I was just like how do I get I just need a hit I need another hit of oxytocin this is like I feel like oh a crackhead. Literally, it is more powerful than crack cocaine so like legitimately yeah. I yes. was in withdrawal like I need more of that drug yes yeah so here's what I here's what I discovered here's what you want to know how to get more oxytocin ladies Tell us. Tell you. You do the things you would do with oxytocin. You have skin to skin contact. Mm -hmm. You look your baby in the eyes or another human in the eyes. And what was the last one? You get railed from behind (laughs) by your husband (laughs) (laughs) until you come. (laughs) Option number three. Bethany's like, that option, waiter. Thank you. The difference between our experiences <laughs> so great, but you know what? We both got the job done. We both. That's got- right. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. You are not editing that out. That is staying in. 
Number or should I say number four? Number four. After, like, if the getting real in the behind or whatever. Yes. Is it, is it in your deck of cards? You breastfeed. You breastfeed your yes. baby. Yeah. So option number three uh, four is you you breastfeed your baby. That yeah. releases oxytocin. So every time you're doing those things, your body is going to release more oxytocin and you're going to feel happier. And I did that and literally felt happy again. I felt wow. normal again. I felt human again. So yeah, um, yeah. these postpartum hormones are crazy, you guys. And yeah. oxytocin needs a place to land. It is the human connection hormone. And if it doesn't land and you don't make a connection with a human, your baby, or in Bethany's case, her husband, yeah, it will crash and you will crash. And so yeah. being aware of the hormones happening is important and communicating with your spouse my experience was opposite of yours. So you, I think you mentioned in another conversation we're having that you had no desire to have sex while you were pregnant, right? Yeah, not like nothing. I think we had like sex like one or two times oh, that wow. I can remember. Yeah, it was very little. And you also like had preeclampsia. So was some of it connected to like the not feeling good health-wise or just like you had no desire? Yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of variables in terms of like Johnny and I's connection. I didn't feel fully safe at the time with him emotionally, as well as it was COVID. I was like very depressed. Like there, we were not seeing the sun at all. I had no, nobody was around me to support me during COVID. Everyone was up by themselves. So it was very secluded. It was not what I thought pregnancy was going to look like for me. And that was really, really sad because I, I am such a people person and not having that during pregnancy when hormones are really starting to act up and I was throwing up every day. It was just a whole slew of things that did not add up to wanting physical connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's a stressful time to have a baby during COVID for sure. My, yeah. I was not pregnant during COVID. I had all my babies pre-COVID. <laughs> thankfully, I have yeah. so much, I have so much compassion for women who went through that. Um, yeah, but awful. when I was pregnant, I was like horny. I wanted sex all the time. <clears throat> wow. And I felt sexier than I normally did with a big pregnant belly. And wow. I tend to carry like, I had really healthy pregnancies too. Like I I took care of myself. I was really intentional about that. And I just, I think, I don't know why, but like, there's something for me about being pregnant where I was like, I don't have to suck my belly in. I don't have to like be skinny and perfect and like, yeah, even care about that. I, I get to show off this gorgeous bump. And I was so mm -hmm. in awe of what my body was doing and capable of. I was like, I love my body. I want to have sex. I want to show it off. I want to like, let's go. So yeah. <laughs> Love that. So I was, I felt so sexy in pregnancy, but in postpartum, nothing. I had really? no desire for sex at all. Wow. And I was fully immersed in baby and in postpartum hormones and blissing out on that mm. and breastfeeding and also sleep deprivation and stress and anxiety and new mom anxiety. So there was right. like a whole swirl of emotions and it actually caused we had a lot of disconnection. This is also during the period of time before my husband and I got a lot of healing in our relationship. Right. So his coping mechanisms as a narcissist person with narcissistic behavior was to withdraw. 
So Mm. he withdrew into his own world and I withdrew into my own world and just kind of like focused all of my attention on this newborn little baby and bonded with her. But it caused us to grow further apart. I didn't have a girlfriend saying, hey, you need to go on a date night. I had one girlfriend after a year. We actually didn't have sex for an entire year after my was born. That's how bad this disconnection was. And nobody told me that's not normal. I'm thinking, and I realized at a certain point, like, okay, they tell you six weeks. It's a lot longer than six weeks, buddy. And it's not because I didn't want to have sex. It's because he didn't. He had Mm. no desire. He showed no interest. He was withdrawn and completely in his own world and getting his needs met in other ways with pornography, with whatever, like inappropriate things. And so it was hard and I felt very alone and it was a really low point in our marriage and sex was just not even talked about I think I remember having a really hard conversation with him and saying like you need to deal with this because Mm -hmm. I want to be close to you I want to be intimate with you and you're not there you're not emotionally available you're not pursuing me you're not even like there's no connection so other things going on it wasn't just like the stress and the hardship of postpartum but it was like that triggered that was like the last straw that kind of just like set the course of our separation and our disconnection and it was easy to like excuse it at first as well it's we're you know it's I'm we're in the postpartum and I don't have any desire and he doesn't have any desire and then after a year it was like what is going on like we had to do a heart check and be like what are we doing this is not this is not normal so yeah you know, the the desire for sex or the lack thereof could be contributed by a lot of factors. And yeah. in the beginning, yeah, it's, there's hormones involved. There's a baby, there's needs, and you're pouring your heart and soul and your energy into this newborn. And then if you have relationship cracks that are already there in the foundation of your relationship, they're going to turn into chasms. Totally. And I remember thinking, I think it was our maybe not our firstborn because we were still communicating. I don't remember which child it was, but I remember thinking like, man, I understand why couples get divorces after having a baby because this is hard. This is really stressful. Like this is so like we were both on like hairline triggers. Like if he was like harsh to me at all, or we had any kind of argument, I just had no capacity for it. Right. I was like, I totally understand why couples have these like little threads of disconnection and, and but you function normally but then you have a right kid and all of a sudden they're getting a divorce like right. within a year I'm like I get it now after going yeah. through it I get it like this is yeah. this is really hard and so we really fought and and worked hard to repair it and that of course that story took more years than I realized to fully get that tr- that yeah healing because there was so much childhood trauma there that was yeah. contributing and being triggered by the stress in our life. Um, it'll it'll be triggered by stress. It'll be triggered by success. It'll be triggered hard times and good times. Like, yeah, there, you know, there's those cracks that are there in each of your um, foundation. Yeah. In your childhood are going to become more evident in the postpartum f- season. And so, yeah. But it was, we just, it was just interesting because we, I had no desire. And then I, then I was, then it became a relationship issue. Like now we have a bigger problem to solve. (laughs) Right, right. We can't blame like having a baby anymore. Right, exactly. And and I feel like there's a lot of 
our listeners that are, I feel like they almost feel that transition of like, okay, my baby isn't an infant anymore. They're sleeping longer through the night, like, but we're still here. And that's where a lot of people get kind of like, you know, nervous of like, well, what do I do? Like, what do I do with this now that we're past the, the newborn phase and things are kind of, kind of starting to show up. And I think as difficult it is, as it is for things to show up after you have a baby, it's also a gift to expose the cracks and to be able to work on those things, especially with the father of your children, the man that you're, that you want to do your life with and him looking at you as the mother of his children and the woman that he wants to honor and adore and take care of. So I I would also suggest, you know, if you haven't looked into therapy, start that, you know, maybe start doing little bids of love, you know, showing up in certain ways, maybe just hugging him when you guys get into bed together and just embracing each other. Karen said that skin to skin can be so beneficial kissing for longer than six seconds can release oxytocin too. Like there are things that we can do for simple ways of connecting that can add up. And when we stack those things little by little, it can make a big difference in the long run. And that doesn't necessarily have to come from you as the wife to where like, this is your responsibility What your responsibility is, is for you and what you're communicating to your spouse. So if you want your husband to to provide certain things for you, communicate that. He has a responsibility too here, but I think if if the communication line is open between the two and you can say, hey, I need connection right now with you. I am feeling that there is very low deposited in that, in that bank account. And I just want connection. Can we go on a date soon? Can you plan a date for us? I would love that. Or can we just lie in bed and cuddle for a bit? And maybe it does look like more, maybe it does look sexual. I don't know what, like Karen and I are saying this whole time, what might fit you might not fit everybody else. So take our words and put them into your relationship and what what that looks like for you and what looks safe for you. But that is very important to make sure that you're in a safe relationship to be able to communicate your needs and your desires without getting pushback or shit from your husband. And if that's happening, especially in postpartum, there's some work to be done on his end. Yeah, there is. There is. This will expose all of your traumas. Yeah. (laughs) For both of you. Yes, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Parenthood, motherhood is like one of the most challenging and rewarding things you could ever do in your life because it, it really does truly cause you to reinvent your not reinvent yourself yeah. but it, it truly does cause you to become a better person be, out of necessity because yes old coping mechanisms you can't function anymore so yeah yeah it's so important and it's it's I think so what are some ways that you can meet each other's needs and I don't even like that term like I, I said that I'm like oh that's kind of icky because I feel like that's how we talk about it like oh I have to meet his needs 
and he has to meet my needs. And it becomes this like obligation sex, right? Which, right. as you guys know, we're not a fan of that. So no. like, what's a better way to phrase that? <clears throat> I'm editing myself here. Mm-hmm. What are some practical ways that you can cultivate a loving, open, connected relationship, an intimate relationship in the postpartum? Because and communicate your desires. And communicate your desires. So yeah. So like if sex isn't on the table right now for you, how can we as women make our husbands feel loved during this season? And I think sometimes the focus is on like, oh, we have to perform, we have to give sex or oral sex or something in order for to meet, quote, meet his needs. But what if it was the desire to show up and love him? I think that actually goes a lot further for men. Yeah. So if you were cuddling in bed and you gave him a hand job or you gave him you just rubbed his back and gave him, you know, a back massage or just, just simply cuddling together or having some departed conversations, going on a date night, asking him like, where is, how is he doing? Checking in. Sometimes those acts of love and intentional connection that come from us communicate more to the men than if they were just getting regular sex. Absolutely. And I, especially during that season. Yeah. Because yeah. I think if they understand, I think most men have a lot of grace during this season. I would, ho- I hope your man does, because if they're demanding sex, like that's a whole Mm-mm. different conversation. We might need to yeah. send them some like educational resources to explain like what's happening in your body right now. Well, and so I was the- just going to say that, like just an offshoot of what you're saying is like the education pre baby for yeah. the man Uh, And I honestly, I think it goes hand in hand, like for both like men and women, especially if this is your first baby, Mm -hmm. you should both educate yourself on what things happen postpartum specifically within your body. I mean, like I said, the night sweats never knew I was going to get those. There's a possibility you might be sweating and waking up in the middle of the night, your body. soaked. also, you don't know when you're going to get your period. No freaking clue. You don't know when that boy's gonna bad boy's gonna show up again. <laughs> yep. So don't if you don't want to have another baby right away, do not have unprotected sex. Do not. Because <laughs> you could be ovulating two weeks yes. before your next period and not know. Right. So, yes. Birth control. Like yes. wear a condom. Do something if you don't yes. want another if you don't want Irish twins. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to be learned. And if you guys can do yourself a favor of just doing some research, getting educated together on like, Hey, this could happen. So like, let's be prepared for it. So when we are there, nobody's surprised. And there's actually like understanding. And I don't even want to say grace because it's not grace. It's like, you get it. You get what I'm going through and you're going to like be okay you know, you're going to be okay. And so am I, but here's, this is the reality of where I am physically and mentally and don't touch me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's okay to feel that way. Totally. That conversation. Like, yes, it, it, this is going to grow your maturity in many yeah. ways. Your partner's going to mature and have to own and his emotions and his feelings. You're going to have to mature and be honest and communicate these things. And and you're going to grow together. And, Absolutely. And so, yeah, having a solid foundation of like healthy expectations yeah, in the postpartum are going to be really important. Like healthy expectations are, okay, the first six weeks, we're probably not going to have sex. Now, you could certainly recover faster than that. Yeah. And 
be ready to go on week four. Or yeah. you could get to six weeks and and say, you you know, you have your six week week postpartum follow up with your doctor and or midwife. And they're like, okay, you're clear for sex. And but then it's like, m- there's all the memes on the internet and women who are like, oh, no, like, we're not, yeah. I, I do, I'm not interested. I don't want this. <laughs> right, right. Um, and that's kind of like the the stigma, the joke nowadays, right? It's like, get the husband's like, ready to go. And she gets home and she's like, ah, uh-uh, buddy, which <laughs> Pop I don't the know how I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that because I would, yeah. I would love to see that connection present yeah. for them. But I also don't feel like women should be pressured to have sex at the six week mark if they're not ready to. So yeah, so, I think if there's like a countdown, it kind of, it, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And that's where I feel like if we can maintain a level of intimacy that yeah. doesn't look like sex before then, it really takes off like the weight of like, okay, we're hitting the six week mark. Like we can go at it now. It's still, you guys still know that there's, love there and care for each other and your there's safety there for each other you know so I think yeah, it kind of takes cultivated the, that throughout yes. the six weeks it's not going to feel so abrupt totally or so foreign and repulsive to then have to jump into bed and have sex if you're already connected and intimate because for intimacy sure goes beyond just sex yeah yeah I totally agree with that and, and I feel like I was it was cool because, you know, Johnny and I were able to connect for those two and a half months. And when we brought Davis home, we brought her home on her due date. So like she, homegirl was like a newborn. She was six pounds, however many ounces at the time. And we brought her home like itty bitty, still waking up throughout the night, you know, for feeds, all this stuff. And we were still able to maintain that connection, which I was super thankful for. And once again, that's not everybody's story and don't compare yours to mine. But like, I, I'm really grateful that there was still, whether or not we had sex, there was still partnership. It's like, I really feel like that's kind of the term that best suits postpartum with your spouse is partnership is like, there is support here. Like he's your teammate. He's going to help you. Like, what do you need? How can I serve you? As it should be, you know? And if you're not feeling that, if you're not feeling that support from your spouse, from the father of your children, use your words. We got to start advocating for ourselves because nobody else is going to do it for us besides us or better than us. Yes. And I feel like there's probably women listening to this who have tuned in because they think that I we have a sex problem. We're in the postpartum yeah. and we're not having sex or I don't want to have sex or he's pressuring me or maybe he's not in my, like in my case, he's not showing any interest and there's all this disconnection and you think you have a sex problem, but you actually don't. You have a partnership right. problem. You have a right. connection problem. Yeah. And there's other, there's other cracks there that are being exposed not having sex is just one way it's showing up. But there's a deeper connection here. There's a deeper need for connection and vulnerability and intimacy. That has to be healed first before the sex conversation even works. Otherwise it's just empty obligation sex or it's just, it's like putting a bandaid on on a big- Nobody wants that. (laughs) You don't want a bandaid. You want to get to the root of what is your disconnection. 
and having those conversations and addressing the real problem. Yeah. Why do I not feel supported? Why do I not feel like there's an equal partnership here? Or I feel like I am overwhelmed and I am drowning here. And sex is the last thing on my mind. This is what I need from you. Or maybe he's saying, I feel like you're getting lost in motherhood and I'm invisible and I'm not even here anymore. And I want to support you, but I don't know how, what can I do? Right. Right. There's, there's deeper conversations to be had here than just putting a bandaid of, well, let's have sex. Now, Absolutely. Sex can definitely make you feel like a woman again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's what he yes. Says, like, getting railed from behind, I yes. think is how you put it. <laughs> can be very beneficial. Yes. So we don't we want to cultivate that, but that work starts a lot deeper. Yeah, definitely. And maybe maybe the entree back into sex is focused on your pleasure. You know, it's like you having an orgasm and remembering what that feels like. I feel like it's very easy to forget what sexual pleasure feels like and how enjoyable it is until we're like in the throes of it again. And so like, even if you're like kind of curious or like, maybe we could dabble again, you could bring it up and say, you know. I could use a good orgasm. Like maybe you go like you have oral sex and he goes down on you or fingers you and you use a vibrator, like whatever that looks like in terms of like enjoyable pleasure. Maybe it's not even like penetrative. Like what if it's just like some nipple play and just where he adorns your body, you know, like just ravishes you without the sexual part, but makes you hungry for more, you know, kind of like we talked in a few episodes ago about like edging. He is able to edge you, take you to those edges of climax to invigorate you again sexually and get you like, ooh, yeah, this is fun. I remember the play that we were able to have before baby, you know? And so just, I think also mentality and what, what your thoughts are actually portraying in reality. If your thoughts are really self-deprivating or marriage deprivating, you know, like relationally, you're speaking down to yourself, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and not appreciating what you see and all your body has done and gone through, you're there's a lot of like self-talk that can actually lead to a much lower libido postpartum as well. And once again, that point, yeah, like that postpartum depression can really feed those thoughts. So even having like five minutes, maybe it is when you're nursing your baby and you're feeling that oxytocin, maybe you're, you close your eyes for a minute or two and just speak life over yourself, speak truth over yourself, over love, over yourself, over your body, over your healthy baby, over your marriage, say things that promote positivity, promote joy, promote excitement for life, promote play. Those things, I mean, our words, there's life and death in our tongue. Like that's the power that our language has. So what language are you entering into within your relationship with your spouse and your own body? I think that makes a really big, because we speak so much life over our kids that we forget to do it to ourselves as well throughout that season, you know? Yeah. 
that is so such a good point like what's your internal thought life saying because from the abundance of the heart the mouth flows like you're going to be you're marinating on it and if you're not communicating it, it's going to show up like it's going to impact your relationship your you know your kids and and taking care of that of that inner thought life is so important I also just want to mention here too like noticing we talked about the hormones earlier but I also want to say for guys too those guys also experience hormonal changes in pregnancy and postpartum their testosterone actually dips when the baby is born and and in pregnancy so like when guys talk about putting on pregnancy pounds and laugh about it that's actually real like your yes. body is physiologically changing, just just like not as much as yours, but it is changing, and their testosterone yeah. dips, and I and all of this is biological. It's all intentional, and the yeah. reason you probably don't feel, you know, like having sex as a postpartum mother, is hormonal and biological. Like pr- if you think about just biology and procreation, like our bodies ramp up when we're ovulating and we have these seasons where we're vibrant and alive and attracting and magnetizing. And yeah. postpartum is not that, that not is that. <laughs> like you, you are, yes. you are in the winter in the woods, right. And you're not yeah. biologically designed to necessarily get right back to it. That doesn't mean that there's still not that need for both of you for intimacy and connection. And that, that, that desire is going to return. But right. understanding that like both of you are going through hormonal changes, his Definitely. testosterone is dipping, which is going to mean he's going to pursue less sex yeah. and or not have as strong a desire for it. But what that does is it's also making him more attuned to you mm. and baby. So it's yeah. giving the masculine that more of a nurturing, instinctual capacity in order yeah. to care for and protect you and your baby, which is... Yeah biological again and the survival mechanism of our species so like god designed it so brilliantly and intelligently like oh in order for the guy to like connect to his woman and this newborn infant baby he's gonna need a little more tenderness and care and nurture yeah yeah gonna like adjust the dial on that to sound yeah yeah (laughs) it all makes it all totally makes sense totally most likely whatever you're experiencing is very normal and there may be some trauma weaved in there that you have to look at and some feelings yeah. and some disconnections and some things being exposed. All of this, even that is totally normal, you guys. Like, yeah. this is the work of the postpartum. And this is the journey of motherhood. And it brings yeah. us to these places of brokenness and exposes brokenness so that we can heal them. So wherever you are in your postpartum journey or motherhood journey and listening to this, I hope what you're hearing from us is like so much grace and love and understanding that these changes are totally normal. Many of them are biological and built into the hormonal DNA and physiology of child rearing and postpartum and dips in libido and hormones are totally normal. And it's also really normal to have feel disconnection and offense and, and all of these yeah. things. It's so triggering and you're sleep deprived yeah. and bleeding out of different crevices. Yeah. And it's like, ah. so, but just know, to, know that you're not alone in that and that there are yeah. things you can do. Like we talked about with reframing your thoughts, paying attention to your thoughts and what's happening inside that. Reaching out, intentionally reaching out and fostering that connection before you just make it all about sex but like really how can I show love to my husband and take care of his heart 
How can I express love? Whether that's a going on a date or giving him a hand job or snuggling in bed and watching a movie together. Like there are yeah. things when our hearts are in alignment and not full of bitterness or we're yeah. not, we're, you know, we're able to get out of that survival mode and get a stretch of four hours of sleep, maybe at one yeah, time. Yeah. You know, there are, there are things we can do to intentionally create connection and prioritize our marriage. And so I think we, all of these things are just normal. And we just want to encourage you that you're doing a really good job and this yeah. is hard work. And yeah. So don't give up. You guys are a team and your partnership and you might need to rally the troops and be like, okay, we're in the trenches. Yes. We, we got to have each other's back. You're going yes. into enemy fire. I got your back. I'm going to cover you. Right. Right. I think that leads to a really good point. Um, especially I think for mothers where we tend to not try, it's very easy to not trust our spouse in the newborn phase because especially if you're breastfeeding you're feeding the baby the majority of the time if not all the time um so maybe when you start to introduce a bottle it's like you don't know what you're doing you know you don't know how much you're feeding the baby and there can be these little like microaggressions that come out of like you're the mom you're the only one that knows what to do and we don't allow a, the dad to play dad and be a father and have his own, his intuition of parenthood kick in of how to care for his baby and trusting him in those things. I know for me, I, I became very aware of that for myself when I had Davis and I wanted to make sure that I trusted him with caring for her as her father, not as a babysitter, not as, as someone to like, take me off the clock and put him on, you know, it was like, I trust you as a dad, because you are her dad. And so long as you're married to a healthy person, you know, somebody who is capable of caring for a child, which I hope you are. <laughs> like, that is yeah, you didn't marry a child. And if right. you did, it's time for him to man up. Exactly. It's like they, he's going to have a lot more growing up to do oh, than yeah. probably anybody. And in that, this is, that is real. We, I remember it is. having those conversations in the postpartum with my husband, like, okay, buddy, I need you to do this. <laughs> like, I wasn't Let's like, go. Hey, you're doing it wrong. I was like, no, I'm leaving the kid with you. Yes. Figure it out. You're like, yeah. Why, and let them fall. Let them. Yes. Struggle. Yes. You don't as they should. To. Yes. Because we had to as well. Yeah, we had to too. So it's like, Stop, yeah. why? If, if you don't, you're gonna burn yourself out trying to exactly. do exactly. And you then you're really not, not gonna want to sleep with the guy. Nope, <laughs> nope. You're, you're you're gonna just enable his dysfunction. And, yes, and codependency on you. Yes, and you're gonna take the full brunt of mothering and parenthood, and he'll just like you're you're enabling the the laziness and dysfunction. It's just not a good. You're going to burn yourself yeah. out and resent him for it. Exactly. So it's very, if you're hearing this and maybe this is the first time you're hearing, you're like, oh my God, I do this all the time. Cause I think it's way more common than we give credit to, for, oh, you know? Yeah. It's, so it's, we just instinctively do it. We take care of we it. We do it. Yes. Yeah. It's like, this is our, this is my baby. It's like, no, yeah. it's your baby. It's like both of your child. So trust him and give him opportunity to fail and don't 
Don't bully him. Don't make him feel like a piece of shit. We all have a learning curve. And the longer you wait, it's going to be harder for him to figure it out. But if you're hearing this and maybe you have a baby that's like six months or a year or whatever, and you've been doing this, start to invite him back in because he might have felt pushed away and is like, okay, I tried at the beginning, but Right. You just kept and, rejecting me. You were kept kept rejecting my help. That's yeah. hard, you know? Yeah, and then they don't know how to help because totally. they feel like, well, I don't know what to do. So yeah. giving them practical things they can do, like, here, I need you to wash the bottles or mm-hmm. clean the breast pump or, yeah. <clears throat> you know, change the diaper. My husband was yes. a diaper changer. Like, I would wake yeah. up and nurse and, through the night. And he would change her diaper and put her back to sleep. And he was way yeah. better at like getting her to fall back asleep than I was. Right. And that's how we did it. He was like the guy doing that. And there were times that like I would I would have some breast milk pumped and I was exclusively breastfeeding all my kids, but I have I always had like a little stash where he could he could feed her if I went out and I needed a, a mom yeah. break and wanted to go out and just like not be attached to a child for more than three hours he could feed her a bottle and dethaw the breast milk or in the middle of the night you know help out with that and so it's really important that partners learn how to be capable and competent in caring yes. for their own child even totally. in the stage yes I, I could not I I could shout that on the rooftops <laughs> yeah <laughs> for, for every mom to hear you know it's like allow him to be dad and allow yeah. yourself Also allow yourself to, when he is in that mode, relax, take time for yourself, fuel you, you know, and that doesn't, I'm not saying make that time to take a shower, cook yourself a meal or whatever. Like, right. Take that time. It's not self-care. It is not fucking (laughs) (laughs) self-care. It is a necessity for every human being. So like, that is not what, what I'm saying is literally feed your soul, yeah. feed the parts Have of you that like your girlfriends go shopping, yes. get a massage, like take yes. more than two hours to go yep. do something and don't fill that time just with folding laundry. Thousand percent. Yes. So all of these are things that can really hopefully enhance and help your postpartum relationship. Cause I think we're going beyond like postpartum sex right now we're really talking about like what the relationship of husband and wife of parents postpartum looks like it's such a bigger conversation than just sex it is and maybe we probably should actually talk about the actual sex part (laughs) (laughs) I think the reality most of us are realizing or you'll get to a point in your postpartum where you feel healed yeah it doesn't feel like the sex would irritate or aggravate your healing because the swelling yeah. has gone down. And right. like I said, depending on your birth experience, that may take longer. But by six weeks, typically you are physically ready to have sex. The swelling right. has gone away. Hopefully any tearing has healed. Yeah. I mean, you might have a little scratch in there, but you can always go really slow and gentle. It's yeah. the physical healing is honestly commonly not the issue. It's that connection that we've been talking totally. about. And so yeah. I want so you'll know like physically when you feel better, it may be six weeks, it may be earlier, maybe longer. If it's a cesarean, it'll it'll probably be longer. Um, and that wound, because that wound has to heal too. And so 
you're also going to feel better hormonally. And I think you may feel your libido, your sexual energy kind of click on. And yeah. that's something that you can also pay attention to. But, you know, be, being aware of that and cultivating that connection so that when those hormones shift and your physical healing does turn that corner, you guys have a solid connection to like pick it right back up again. Yeah. Yes. And then, and then it's, it's like you have the baby, but I think a lot of women are concerned. Like what if a kid walks in? What if the baby cries? Like who cares? No you one cares. Right back into it. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, sex is what created that kid in your back. Exactly. And that kid also heard your sounds and felt the surge of oxytocin hormones when you were having sex while you were pregnant. Right. Hopefully right. Have, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, like the, this kid was created by sex. So why are you bashful yeah. about having sex with a baby in the room? Now, obviously you don't want older kids, but right. if it's an infant there, you want you, it's all part of the procreation process. Like right, exactly. the birth is the culmination of sex and the sex is what created the baby. And yeah. so if you need to, like, depending on how old your your kid is, put them in a separate room or go, you guys go to a separate room and have sex. Yeah. But make it work, prioritize it because it's important. It is. It totally is. Yes. And if you get interrupted, you just put the kid back to sleep, nurse the baby and put the baby, swallow that baby back up and then go back at it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to overcomplicate it. Yeah, I feel like, like we, I don't even need, I shouldn't need to explain this, but I'm kind of surprised how many women write yeah. to us asking us these questions. And it's like, yes. Are you making a problem where there is no problem? Because yeah. what's the problem? Have the, well, that's have, the thing we get in our head, right? We like, think it's we get... like dirty or we can't do it with a baby there. Or what if the baby cries and how, what do I do? Like, okay, well, you nurse or you give the bottle and then put the baby back to sleep because babies go back to sleep right away after nursing. right away. Yeah. And you, you do your thing. <laughs> yeah. Also, like we don't have to have an hour long like sexcapade. It, no. it can be like 15, 20 minutes, maybe one night it's about you, one night it's about him. You yeah. can do that where you're still having an orgasm. Like obviously some nights are going to be longer than others, but if you're just trying to even just get the ball rolling again, that can be really helpful of like not having these really high expectations for the first time back on the horse, like having sex again. It's like, it can look way more fluid and way more relaxed. And, you know, Johnny and I, we have, we do something called a lazy fuck where like, we're both laying down and <laughs> we're not even like our bodies aren't even touching, but we're like holding hands and we're just kind of like laying there and it's super chill. There's no like heavy labor involved on either one of our parts. And it's nice. It's just like, sometimes you just want to feel your partner inside of you. Mm -hmm. That can be a fun way to, you know, that's not, yeah, that seems very like no pressure, like loving connection. Yeah. I, I have like, I feel like it would be a little tricky to figure out the motion movement and like, how are you laying down? And is that going to like work? That's something that's, I think a great idea for couples to try when you don't want to like make it a whole big intense thing. Yeah, because he's laying on his side. So it's easy for like him to thrust in that way. It's not as hard and as complicated as 
it sounds <laughs> it is very easy once you're yeah. and like once we figured it out we were both like I remember the first time we did it we like looked at each other and we we're like oh this is awesome like this like, is really yeah. nice actually you know so yeah I think yeah. it's all based off of like setting the scene I think we put high expectations for like wedding night first time having sex all this stuff and then we go through it's probably like the longest period from when you first got married to now having a kid where you're like you're not being sexually active and then becoming sexually active again and it's like oh my god is this gonna feel good I'm really not sure so I feel like going in with low expectations just wanting to connect is going to be your best bet to really enjoy yourself. So with all that being said, ladies, like Karen and I said, we respect you. We love you. We hope you know that you are absolutely seen and understood in whatever kind of postpartum you're experiencing or having. We just want to encourage you that it's going to look different. Everybody looks different. Don't compare yourself, love yourself, speak life over yourself, speak life over your marriage and what that relationship is going to evolve into now that you have a creation that is both a mix of you and your spouse. How beautiful is that? Like what an absolute gift that is. So allow that to fuel the love between you two. Allow that to actually be the thing that gets you excited to enjoy more sex together and have more fun with each other. We love you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you in the next one.